after the war. Gasoline ration stickers, amputees, fatherless boys were constant reminders that the entire disparate American community had been forged together into an alloy of great strength. And, like most veterans of the Second World War, when he returned home, he quickly and easily slid back into a normal mid-century American life. The ugliness was over, and it was time to move on. If there were anecdotes about the war, they were infrequent. That was partly because the war was still fresh, and human beings rarely find the necessity to reminisce about things until the events are unappealingly moldy and in need of a good airing. Now my father is almost ninety. He is still in tremendous physical condition, playing paddleball every day. And finally he talks about the war often. When the family gets together now, my father tells war stories, humorous ones mostly, the same stories about the South Pacific over and over and over again. And it's a tribute to their veracity that they never change by so much as one tiny detail. My parents were Brooklyn born and raised, the children of immigrant Jewish families that came to the United States a century ago from very different parts of Europe. Both my father's parents emigrated separately from a small town called Ioannina in the province of Epirus in northwestern Greece at that time part of the crumbling Ottoman Empire. Oddly, they hadn't known each other in Greece, but met and married in Brooklyn, where large numbers of Greek Jews had settled at the start of the Balkan Wars and just before World War I. Their arrival happened to coincide with a much larger and much better known emigration of Yiddish-speaking Jews from Central and Eastern Europe. The proximate causes for the migrations were related. The old world, with its monarchies and artificial alliances, was dying, and rusty, creaking power relationships had become dysfunctional and were coming to pieces. The Ottoman Empire, long a dominant force but now challenged by a new alien world, was disintegrating, and there were incipient revolutions in Central and Eastern Europe. All of this produced an uncontrollable and growing monster of political and military chaos whose spawn became the First World War. People of all stripes saw themselves entering a fierce, frightening, modern age, but those on the economic and cultural margins saw themselves, quite presciently, as the ultimate losers and started getting out of Europe as fast as they possibly could. My father spoke nothing but Greek until he was five years old and went to public school in New York City. To say that the new Americans were multilingual would be an enormous understatement. Although my father's generation quickly learned English, Greek, in his case a dialect of hillbilly Greek found only in the mountains near Ioannina, remained the language of the home and of the adults. But also, they prayed in Hebrew. They understood some Macedonian and Albanian. And because they'd lived for centuries under the domination of the Turks, they could speak a bit of Turkish, too. And it was the experience of living in the dominion of the Ottomans that drove my father's mother to call me Pasha. Now, Pasha is a Turkish title that was granted to high-ranking officials like governors and generals. But in the vernacular, it came to mean big shot. Not too many years ago, my sister Alyssa jocularly complained at some family gathering that I had always been the favorite grandchild— my grandmother, well into her nineties, still with her very thick Greek accent, snapped, "'What you talking about? I like you all the same.' "'Oh, yeah?' Alyssa said, pointing accusingly at me. "'Then why do you call him Pasha?' And my grandmother's eyes misted with nostalgia. 
I was the firstborn grandson, and it was a very old tradition to call your favored firstborn grandson Pasha. No matter how equal we children were, I was the big shot. My grandmother never became a United States citizen, and she had neither a birth certificate nor even a clue when precisely she was born. Very few people from that part of the world, and almost no women, were issued birth certificates. If I asked her when she was born, she could only place it in the context of other things that had happened in the family. Well, Pasha, she would say, it was before my mother died, but after my cousin was born. And the solution was to celebrate her birthday on the day each year she had to register with the post office as an alien, January 1st. On her birthday, she would knock back a single jigger of scotch, and, as we knew she would, and to howls of laughter from the rest of us, perform some Balkan terpsic...